This is Content Academy. Yes, and on today's show, we have the vlogging boss, the brains behind Savvy Sexy Social, Amy Schmidauer. And on today's show, we talked to her all about her new book, Vlog Like a Boss, how she rose to prominence on YouTube, and what you can do to build hype around your videos in the first 24 hours. Creating great content, finding an audience, building engagement, monetizing your blog. This is Content Academy. Yes, hello, and you're very welcome along to the Content Academy podcast. I'm Phil McGrath, joined as I am every week by Paul Caffrey. What's up, Phil? How are you? I am fantastic. Yeah, um, why so? Yeah, I've just been a really, really good week. Um, spent a good chunk of time at the Dublin Tech Summit um, the past week, uh, two days of uh, great speakers and guests and workshops and AI. Any and, Anybody stand out? Oh, Gary Vaynerchuk's always going to stand out everywhere he goes, Paul, really, isn't he? Oh, um, yeah, you're such, a, you're such a super fan. How was that? Was that was a, was a good talk? It was a very good talk. I'd say I really enjoyed it. I actually got more value, I think, out of the panel he did afterwards. Um, and that's probably because I would consume a good bit of Gary's stuff. So I know, I mean, the story is the story. Um, so I know the spiel, I suppose, as you would say. Um, let's not to say he's one-dimensional and doesn't doesn't uh, deliver a great a great speech. But um, you know, I've some of the stuff I would it's have. A consistent, it's a consistent message. Yes, exactly. But the panel afterwards was was, was very interesting. Um, I got a lot of value out of that. But even at that, there was a lot of great great speakers at the event. Um, and anyone who was following our Twitter feed would have seen all of that. So yeah, um, really good week, really energized after it and took away a lot of ideas that buzzing to go. But uh, today's show, Paul, is another cracker. It certainly is. Uh, and interestingly, you know what? I randomly got a quote from Gary Vaynerchuk in front of me, which links in with the show today, which says, mastering the art of the job through vlogging means learning from Amy Schmidhauer. I don't consume a lot of video, but Amy knows how to crush it to get attention. She got mine. Take note. So that's a quote from Gary Vaynerchuk about our guest today, Amy Schmidhauer. Brilliant episode. What did you make of it? Yeah, it was. It's an action-packed one, folks. There's so much in there, and we kind of like this episode really should have been just about vlogging, um, but it was so <laughs> much more. Yeah, the, the vlog. Don't get me wrong. The vlogging and the, and the video tips are really helpful and there's some great little ninja tricks in there but everything else about running a business and particularly in an online world that's where the gold is in this episode so i'd agree with you there there's, there's so much quality within it we do run slightly over uh, but i do think it is worth hanging around for there's not too much you know fluff in there no there most certainly isn't we talked to amy about setting up your youtube channel about how you can drive traffic there her promotion strategy her content strategy her email strategy uh her sales strategy sales well, strategy lighting lighting setup editing cameras oh it's it's there's so much in here hence the reason it is a slightly longer show than normal but i tell you what let's not drag this one out any longer than it needs to be we'll head on over to the interview with amy and we'll catch up with you at the end of the show this is content academy Yes, so as I said, we have Amy Schmidhauer on the line from Savvy Sexy Social and, of course, the author of Vlog Like a Boss. Amy, how are you? I'm wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. No, thank you for taking the time out to come on the show. I know you're extremely busy at the moment with the launch of the book, so I do appreciate you taking some time to speak to us. No problem. So I suppose for the small few perhaps who don't know who you are and what you do you might just give them a bit of background on you so kind of where you started and what you're at at the moment sure so i have been video blogging for almost 10 years actually which is kind of crazy to think about it literally just was inspiration at a, a wedding i was asked to be in in 2007 i just wanted to do something cool for the bride and i made her a video and it panned out really well because i just saw how powerful it could be to make something for one person and have it affect so many people. It was so many people were just so thrilled with it and, and really felt an emotion about it. And I just thought that was really interesting. So 
that's how I really started diving into the world of online video. I was trying to figure out how could I share more projects like this without having to burn it on a DVD, essentially. <laughs> and so I uh, discovered YouTube that way. It was simply a tool. It wasn't sort of like a scam to be famous or anything, but I learned a lot about the people that were sharing their lives there. Long story short, I mean, I was just making video for fun on this, on the side of my regular job. Businesses ended up approaching me in 2009 and 2010 because they were just trying to wrap their mind around a Facebook page at the time. So as I started working with them on that, because they just assumed I knew everything because I uploaded videos to the internet. <laughs> you know um, how to do it. <laughs> yeah, you must know something about the computer. So, uh, so as I was starting to do that, that became a side hustle. And I ended up going out and, and starting a social media marketing company in 2011 out on my own. And here we are today. I mean, I was using video when I, when I did go full time, I started a platform called Savvy Sexy Social, where essentially I made it fun for the small business to learn how to leverage social media. And that's the channel I continue to upload to today. And it's come in really handy because year over year, it's been the year of video because it's becoming more and more important. Mm -hmm. And, um, so now, you know, here we are, I, I wrote the book on it because people asked me for it. They said, you know, you have so much information in your head, just give us the manual. And so that's what I've done. And done very well. I might add at that. So I suppose if we take it back a notch, the start of savvy, sexy social, as you said, came out of the fact that businesses were approaching you to, uh, to do some work for them because they assumed you obviously knew what you were doing in terms of you were obviously, you're, you can upload a video, you can use a computer, you must know how to do this stuff. So talk to us in terms of uh, getting the site up and running and beginning to build a brand, because obviously starting from scratch bar one or two people coming to you straight out the gate looking to build some, an audience and build some traffic. How did you go about getting yourself up and running and creating the type of content that was going to draw in these prospective clients? Well, I had to think about what, where they were, you know, in 2010, I would have loved for everybody to be video blogging for their business, but nobody was even thinking about it. They just thought, Oh, we don't even want to do this Facebook thing. Mm. So when you are creating content, it doesn't matter where it doesn't matter how it can be audio. It can be video. It can be written. It doesn't matter if you are going to create something and you're trying to reach a customer with it. If they don't know who you are or what your motives are, or your plan for them, you need to meet them at their level of understanding. So for me, if I wanted you to potentially work with me, potentially think about video in your business down the road, I had to start with a video about how to get more Twitter followers because it's what people were Googling. It was what people were searching for. It was what people cared about. And they were like, well, if I need a Twitter for my business for customer service and reaching new people and we can geolocate people, what a great tool. How do I get more followers? Cause that's all I seem to care about. Well, okay. If that's what you care about, I'm going to create a piece of content that's going to be helpful for you. That's going to get you introduced to me. That's going to help you discover me. And then you're going to start to trust me because I'm going to tell you all the other things that are super important about a Twitter presence and continuing to evolve your online presence into greater content because followers are not the end all be all, but you have to meet them at what they think is important or, or where they are in their state of mind at this moment and how it applies to your business so that you can bring them in and get them to trust you on the things that you actually want them to think about. You have to entertain what they want to know before they'll care about what you think they need to know. That's how you create a great content strategy. Yeah, and it, I, I love the fact that you've hit that out. It's kind of one of those things that you need to give them what they want before telling them what they need. Um, and I love that strategy. A lot of people seem to go off and create content based on their own bubble. And it's something we spoke about in the show before without having any consideration as to what your audience are coming to you or what they're looking for so you can be found rather than just what you want to create. We all would love to just sit and create the stuff we love all day, every day. But essentially, that not, may not be what our audience wants from us. How to build and monetize your blog. This is Content Academy. I, I think, and I hit this nail pretty much every time someone says video is not for me. Okay. Well, that's fair. You can say video is not for you, but then if that's the case, then neither is getting in front of where the eyeballs are right now. It, it, if this was about for me, 
then I wouldn't be doing it for someone that's actually going to help my business grow or someone that needs my help. It's not about whether this type of content is right for you. It's not whether or not this, this medium is right for you. It's about if it's right for them. So don't decide what's going to make you happy in a blog post, decide what's going to make them happy and find your way of doing it. And the same goes for choosing your medium, whether it's, you know, YouTube or, um, not video at all. If it's blogging, you know, you have to say, I know where people are paying attention. I want to be where people are paying attention. I'm going to go there and I'm going to present to them content that they want there so that I can fit into the conversation for them because that's where they're hanging out. So you can decide yeah. to go to the party or not. That's a brilliant tip, actually. And, and what we found is that if we talk about, you know, creating content uh, and blogging uh, and even to a certain extent, social media strategy, people are not too interested. They're kind of like, okay, I know what that is. Whereas if we talk about, you know, leverage and Snapchat, or we talk about how to build your email list, people are interested in that. And then we realize, well, actually, it comes back to you don't have the contents to actually take advantage of, of what you're trying, I suppose, searching for initially. So um, I suppose helping finding a segue into getting in front of people is, is a really great tip. And I suppose a question that probably a lot of people would have is, how do you transition people from telling them about this first piece of content that they have Googled or they've searched for that you've answered the question for into kind of highlighting, well, actually video is looking for. Is that over time or would you get in you know, quick and early with that, Amy? What way do you recommend that to be approached? Well, I, I just think it depends on, you know, where are they at this point? For, for me, it wasn't like it had to be the call to action at the end, right? Oh, you care about Twitter, but you should be thinking about video. I didn't mm. have to do that because I was present. It was, it's very meta for me. So not a lot of people will have this luxury, but I was presenting tips to them with video and they were discovering those tips with video. So in sort of an unconscious way, I'm telling you, you should be making video because look what I'm doing for you right now. And so I don't know that I had to call that action, but at the same time, you know, it doesn't matter what that thing is, right? Like whatever your call to action is, the ultimate call to action being to buy your product or hire you, you know, you really can't say that at the end of every blog post or at the end of every video, because you have to get them there. You have to grow that trust over time. So to your point, that first piece of content is the invitation to get to know each other. What is the next natural step? You know, is there a, a specific type of call to action you can put behind an email paywall? So in other words, join my email list and you will get this thing. You know, that's an, that's an easy action take for them because of what they just watched. A lot of people make the mistake of, oh, I'll just tell you to join my newsletter at the end of every video. Well, that's not a relevant next step. Is there something specific at the end of this tutorial on how to bake a cake, you know, that I would want, oh, if you want the checklist of things you need at the grocery store, go here to download that. And then you've got them on an email list. But even just saying something at the end, like if you enjoyed this, make sure you subscribe or, you know, make sure you stay tuned because this is how you become a part of my tribe and I'm going to continue to help you. And there's more to this story. This is not the only thing you should be thinking about. And I want to help you with that. I think you have to find your way of doing that. But yes, it is like this really big funnel and it's a very noisy world. So you've got to get people to that next step. You have a chance of them seeing you again. Yeah, absolutely. I like that. Um, and in looking at, at the funnel and having a strategy, I, I would assume that's something that you would recommend everybody in, in the online business space have planned out ahead of creating any content. Absolutely. I, I mean, at the same time, though, yeah, it's like you need that, but you shouldn't let it hold you back from getting started because a lot of people won't even know how to build out the strategy because they haven't even spoken to their audience or found a way to kind of get get some ideas of what some content could look like. So whether that means just publishing your first video and that could be a Snapchat story, it doesn't even have to be a significant video or uploading something to your Facebook page that you've been just trying to maintain and seem to be in a lull. I mean, go there and start taking action so you can start to see what the demand is for you you to build out a strategy that works. But yeah, you should, you should have something that gives you some guidance on wh where are we in the funnel right now? Are we at the very top, meaning social media? 
rented space. I don't own this area. I could get kicked Mm -hmm. off at any time. What do I do to make sure people commit to me in some capacity and continue to grow this presence? And then that gives you a pretty clear idea of what you should ask them to do next. But um, I don't want people to be held back by not having a very specific step-by-step strategy at first from creating content. Cause the hardest part of all of this is just starting. Mm-hmm. And if you go through all these steps to create some intricate plan that may or may not work because you have not tested it in any capacity, and then you go upload your first video and you don't get the results you want. I just worry that too many people wait for perfect and, and that's just not going to pan out. So yes, you need to build out your strategy, but part of that is taking action and just gauging what people want. Yeah, I, I really like that. Don't be afraid to start. Isn't that the key message? Get started and then you can kind of layer that, that on top. Sorry, so you're going to jump in there. Yeah, no, and that was just it. It's a lot of people um, will come up with great ideas, but yet they let some of the strategy, the higher level stuff, trip them up instead of just getting out there and building it piece by piece instead of waiting to have the whole jigsaw put together before they start. Um, and I think that's something that does hold a lot of people up. And Paul, you'll know from, from clients we speak to and, and obviously uh, the people that come to the site that we speak to at, at events, that it is one of those things where they're waiting for everything to fall just perfectly into place before they, they think they can kick on to the next level. This is Content Academy. Amy, when it comes to planning out your own content and the stuff that you're, the vlogs that you're making, I know obviously you've been vlogging daily with the lead up to vlog like a boss, but your your more standard content that you would have even been producing before that, how far in advance are you planning that out? So for about three years, the schedule was Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Savvy Tuesday, Sexy Wednesday, Social Thursday. And um, the way that I had worked my schedule was that Mondays were always dedicated to my business. So that included, you know, any administrative tasks, marketing, et cetera. And it would only be for me. And I would work on client work throughout the rest of the week. So what that meant was every Monday, I was filming those Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday episodes. Because the worst thing you can do is wait till the last minute and being like, well, whenever it's done, we'll post it. But the best thing you can do is try to batch when it's best for you, especially when you're trying to figure out where video is playing a role in your business or in your brand, and you're not quite sure of how you're going to balance all the things. And you really do need to plan the time because at the beginning, it takes you longer yeah. than it might after you've had some practice. So batching is something that was very handy for me and was able to keep me in, I, I mean, I posted three days a week for three years. I don't, I think I missed maybe two episodes ever. And one of them was a family emergency. And so that, that comes from scheduling it in and saying, this is worth it because every time I show up, someone locks eyes with me, they're trusting me, they're building a relationship with me. And it's gotten me to the point where I was able to sell a book and people bought it. I mean, I hate to say this, but people say they want to buy books and they don't <laughs> like, they're yeah. like, that sounds awesome. Mm-hmm. We support you. And they don't buy the book. And not only are people buying my book, they're reading it. I'm like, whoa, that's a whole nother level. You're actually making, (laughs) I make videos and I wrote a book about how to make videos and you're reading a book. Like that's crazy to me, but it comes with showing up, having that relationship and, and being really reliable in that way. So batch recording and and making sure that the promise I made was being kept was critical. And it doesn't have to be so specific these days. You don't have to have specific days of the week. If it's once a week and you make it work around your schedule and you're still able to batch on some level, Mm. you know, I always tell people shoot for once a week, especially on YouTube, because that's industry standard and record four videos to set you out for a month and then you're good. You know, you're not, you're not down to the wire every single week, especially if you're just getting used to talking to a camera and super nervous about it, you know, do it one time, you know, for the ladies, do your makeup and hair one time, knock it out, you know, for a couple of hours. And then you've got content for the rest of the month and you're showing up when you said you would. And I think that's the hardest part for people is scheduling it in and marketing should be scheduled in just like every other part of your business. Hallelujah. <laughs> I love that because I am sick to my back teeth of, t- of talking to people who cut and run or paste mm-hmm. and post and run. And it's you're like, okay, you know, I'm not getting any traffic. No one's coming to my blog. No one's watching my videos. No one's listening to my podcast. I'm like, okay. And uh, what's your promotion strategy? Like, oh, well, I just put it on Twitter and face once, once on Facebook, a couple of times on Twitter, and maybe post something. And, on then, I'm and, and, then, and then, then I'm busy. And then I'm gone. Yeah. 
And then I have to go do stuff. Don't you understand me? I'm like, yes, I do understand you, but your content is like another product. Yes. You're, you're not going to like stop promoting your product after one day. You have to keep promoting the content because that's the free product that's going to get you the exposure that you're going to be able to charge for the stuff you charge for. Absolutely. And that's something we spoke to um, Sue B. Zimmerman uh, recently on the show. And one of the things she was saying was when you're st- you've got to make that commitment to show up, just like you're saying now, you have to make that commitment that if you want to be seen as the industry leader, the expert within your niche, you've got to make that commitment to yourself and to your audience that you're going to show up with great regularity and produce content that's going to give value. And that's where a lot of people fall down. They can produce content that gives a lot of value, but it's that consistency, that showing up, that producing three videos a week for three years. Like some people Mm -hmm. may never have heard of you until you've released this book and they assume you've come out of nowhere. But like everyone else who's successful, you've been plugging away in the background for years, like 10 years. The classic overnight success. Yeah, the overnight (laughs) success that's been built on 10 years of practice. Right. You know, and it's it, it, it's funny how, how often we, we hear that. And, you know, people may not know who we are. They don't know our backstory, but we've been going since 2008. We built a business based on our hobby, which was just fantasy football. And that's what mm. we did. But everyone just sees us now talking to people like yourself and think, oh, well, who are these guys? They, they just came out of nowhere. It's That's not the case. It just doesn't happen. So I love the fact that you, you've hit on you've hit on a number of big contentious points that I have with speaking <laughs> to people who constantly have excuses as to why they can't, but not reasons as to why they can. Creating great content, finding an audience, building engagement, monetizing your blog. This is Content Academy. Let's move in towards YouTube and video production. And I want to talk about the book as well. Um, we I did put out a tweet. Um, I think you've seen it. I'm asking our audience for some questions. And I will get yeah. to those. I will get to those towards the end of the show. Um, so hold tight for a moment. But in terms of someone starting out, one of the big barriers that we get a lot from people, whether it's starting a podcast, a blog, or a video production, um, is the tech and the kit. What do you recommend to people starting out when it comes to either a camera or editing software for getting them up and running? Uh, It's called a smartphone. Maybe you're familiar with the iPhone version or the Android (laughs) version, but, or Windows. But here's the thing. I mean, the most of the time people just don't get started because of gear. And I talk about this in the book, the fear of gear is real. And we see a lot of amazing productions online and we're just thinking we don't have the right stuff to do that. A lot of amazing stuff is done online and messages are communicated with regular smartphone video. So in my opinion, I don't recommend you go buy much equipment because if you can't just start with your smartphone, you're probably going to spend a bunch of money on stuff you won't use. So my recommendation is to use what you have right now. If you don't have a smartphone, then obviously there's a fundamental issue there, but you have a lot at your disposal with a phone these days. The iPhone has one of the best cameras out there for the average user to actually know how to use, by the way. And then there's apps you can download on your phone. If you don't want to download, you know, if you don't want to edit on your phone, that's totally reasonable because actually that sounds very tedious to me, but There's things like Adobe Spark and YouTube itself. They have web-based editors. So there's really no excuse that you have to spend a ton of money on equipment or editing software um, if you're just getting started. Now, if you actually want to have a real conversation about this and you promise me you'll actually get started no matter what you have, I I have a, a Sony RX100 that I like to travel around with because that's easier for me than vlogging on a phone, but that's just simply what I'm used to. And in studio, I like to use a Canon 70D. These are just tools. They're just cameras. They're just, it's everyone's preference. You can go get whatever you want. If it records video, it will work for you. Ideally HD video would be good. Um, and then I'm, I've been editing for a lot of years, so I'm using a pro level editor, which is final cut pro. And it's still pretty user friendly because it's so much like iMovie in a lot of ways. So start with iMovie and then work your way up. You don't have to spend a lot of money on this stuff. There's a million options out there and, and, a lot of them are so accessible. It's almost crazy to spend money on some of this stuff these days because some of the most far reaching pieces of content, i.e. Chewbacca mom, 
happened <laughs> on the most basic of equipment, Facebook Live on a smartphone, you know? So I just I just hope everyone remembers what they have now is absolutely sufficient. And if you start with that and then prove to yourself you need to expand and and grow in your equipment, then that's fine. You know, I made myself wait until I bought the $700 lavalier mic. And even now I'm like, did I really need that? Because I've got this really great $40 one that plugs into my phone. You know, I mean, it's just... Mm. What do you really, really need to get the job done? Because most of the time, if you're putting any effort in it whatsoever, you're doing better than the next person who isn't thinking about all that stuff. Yeah. And uh, I, I just I just think you start with what you have and then grow from there. Oh uh, yeah, and I have a little confession to make. I kind of knew that's where you go, and I want, <laughs> I wanted I wanted you to tell our audience because we're constantly buying on that. Use what you have, get going. Don't worry about it. Whatever you can put out there is going to be better than nothing. Um, so hopefully they'll listen to you if they haven't already listened to us. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I suppose that brings us on to the next part. So we've got the equipment and it's time to record a video. And a lot of people stress about, you know, what am I going to say? And, and the visual impact and the background and all of that sort of stuff that goes along with this new world of video for people if they haven't done it before. Any tips or anything that you can recommend to people starting out who might be a little bit nervous of those two areas? Honestly, like the nerves I have found, they really always come back to what people think about me. I mean, is that, do you guys resonate with that? Yeah, yeah uh, we, 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 we kind of had that one. Remember when we started doing the, the live radio? Live radio was a nervous one. A and lot of you, people listened. To yeah, that. and you're kind of going, this is going out across the country and whatever people are going to call us out, they're going to think we're, we're bluffing, we're faking it. You know, we don't know what we're speaking about, especially when you're speaking about something so sub- subjective as football. Um, sure. So yeah, absolutely, we get that. It's it's. But, yeah. it, but what's interesting about that, and that's a really good example because at least what you're doing, I mean, you have a very clear idea in your head of who it's for right? So you're like, I understand who listens to this show and I understand what they want out of this. And I'm going to show up and do that. Then you have like the, the fluctuation of opinions and, and who's your favorite team and all that kind of stuff. But you're showing up to do a job for a specific type of person that wants a specific message from you and you deliver on that. But a lot of people end up getting hung up on this stuff because they're thinking about what the people who don't care about this message will think about them. That's where people really get held up with all of this. Okay, what's mom going to think? What are What's my arch nemesis going to think? What's that guy that I went to high school going to think? They think about all the wrong people's opinions, and that keeps them held back from taking that next step to getting their message out there. And so I, I like to talk about that specifically because there's a million other reasons why people might get uh, nervous and not want to push through and create, but... If you show up and for me, what I preach is video. And when you're looking at the lens of a camera, like it's the person that needs this information or needs this entertainment value, that's when it becomes really special. Because if you speak to one person, you affect the many and the many who want that message will watch. And the people who are going to judge you are going to do that anyway until you're doing great. Then they're going to get on board the bandwagon and it's going to be fine. But I believe that's where people truly get held up. It's not about gear. It's not about return on investment. It's about what are the wrong people, essentially? What are they going to think about me? Or what if I make a mistake? But because you showed up to do the job you said you were going to do, the person that is there because of that, they're going to love you for it. And that's where true influence is build, built. And that's where all of this brand ends up getting its elevation from. Yeah. And it's, it's so true. Um, this again, it's, it's funny because when I look back at our own journey and, uh, haven't spoke to, to people like yourself, Amy, that's the same thing that pops up over and over again. It's, it's nearly the people who you worry about at the beginning, who are probably saying God knows what behind your back are eventually mm. the people at the end who turn around and say, Oh yeah, I knew him. And I went, I, I played, I played sports with him or I went to school with him. And I thought, well, you didn't talk to me then. Don't talk to me now. <laughs> you know, they're kind of, exactly. they start telling everyone how they knew you and they went to school with you. And I remember yep. I was there. You didn't speak to me. Don't start telling everyone we're friends just because I'm, right. I'm doing something. I could not agree more. This is Content Academy. So obviously we're trying to get through the nerves. We're getting our videos out there. 
we all know the amount of video that's produced and like you said at the top of the show amy every year is the year of video this year there's going Mm -hmm. to be more than last year and so on and so forth how do we go about optimizing our videos to give us a chance at being seen obviously it comes down to having good quality content that people are looking for but how do we make sure we're the ones they see once they go searching well there's a number of things that you have to think about here. And it depends on where you are. I mean, if you're uploading to Facebook, it's a different situation than YouTube, right? So let's, let's break that down first. A lot of people get really overwhelmed and, and immediately defeated by YouTube, because if you go there and you upload a video and you've never been on YouTube before, and you haven't done a whole lot of engaging over there before, ultimately you have an account that has nothing going on no one's going to watch that video, but you can upload that same video to Facebook and you'll get views like that, like just instantly. And people forget the reason for that, that you've been on Facebook documenting your life and engaging with people and liking other people's baby photos for years. You have been facilitating that relationship for years. So the moment you upload video, which A, is great for user experience, so B, Facebook is immediately prioritizing it and moving it to the top of the feed, you're going to get views. Now, that video is automatically playing while somebody is liking someone else's baby photos in their newsfeed, and without audio, they're judging and watching your video, and they're trying to decide if they want to engage it further. So the views are not the same kind of view that you get on YouTube where, although more difficult, somebody chose that video. They clicked on it. They saw a headline. They saw a photo for the thumbnail and they clicked on it and they got the video and the audio from the first moment for the whole thing. It's a completely different experience. Facebook is disruptive. YouTube is intentional. So they both have their upside. If you want views immediately, you should probably go to your Facebook presence. But if you want to show up on the second largest search engine in the world, then you go to YouTube. However, the problem still lies with YouTube. If you have no momentum behind a video, then it doesn't matter if it's the second largest search engine in the world. You're not going to be on the front page of search for your result. Even if you did all the keyword research, made sure there was demand for the video, et cetera. No matter where you go, but definitely YouTube, especially when you're just getting started. The way to get discovered is to prove that you have a network in the first place. What YouTube wants is session time. They want you to bring someone to their platform and have them start watching video because they know once they arrive, they're on average going to watch video for 40 minutes on mobile. On mobile, they will watch for 40 minutes. So if you start that session, YouTube likes you. So I always tell anyone that's thinking about starting a YouTube presence, you've got to bring the fire when you're first getting started because if you want to get on YouTube's radar to get moved up in search, you need to prove that you have people to bring to their platform so that they can send you more of that traffic that's already hanging out there. So that is really big and people miss that a lot on YouTube. They just think they're going to upload there and, and that God will gift them with a viral video or something. (laughs) I don't know, but you have to show that you can bring momentum just as much as YouTube will bring it to you as well. It doesn't have to be the same. It's not going to be the same number, but you have to show that you will bring people to their platform and promote it because that's how they make money. And if you help them make money, they will help you get exposure. The same goes for Facebook. If a video, although disruptive view is doing well, that means there are comments, there are likes, there are shares. The more engagement that that has, that video can last for 24 hours or so and continue to get shared at the top of the newsfeed. So there's a lot of power there, but it's a short term win. You want as much engagement from your community and to send people to that particular post so that it will get that outward exposure beyond your own network, beyond your own organic reach. But you have to encourage that. It's a short-term win. You're short-term for YouTube sending that fire, but that video can work for you for years. The traffic that I'm getting to my channel, you know, the number one upload I have is four years old but it's still bringing in a ton of traffic because it's at the top of search. So the bottom line is if you want exposure, it doesn't matter what platform you're going to. If you want exposure, you have to be willing to give those platforms exposure too. You have to point people to the platforms and say, Hey, go watch my latest content there. The best place to stay tuned with me is here. Subscribe there. That's what's going to show the platform that you're not only 
blocking traffic, but you're going to bring it. And that essentially synergy is the algorithm that gets you kicked up and, and getting more organic reach everywhere. So you've it's, got to provide value to the platform as opposed to just looking for something from them. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I love that. Absolutely. And I have, to, I have to be honest, I've never thought of it like that. Um, it's funny because we always think of it like this, right? Like, please follow me here. Please subscribe yeah. to me here. Please, please, please. What if you didn't do that? What if wherever you had attention, you had them join your email list, you built your own empire first. And then every time you, let's say in a month or two, you've got a list, you've got this list of p emails going for you. And if it's a small list, you've probably got a higher open rate than everybody else. So that's good. And you launch a YouTube channel. Your first upload on that YouTube channel, you send a thousand views to it, but let's be safe here, a hundred or 200 and you have zero YouTube subscribers, but YouTube sees that you got 200 views on a video. They see you're sending people from somewhere. What did you do? You built your own empire first. You got them on an email list and you emailed them and said, Hey guys, I've just launched a YouTube channel. Go watch my first video and subscribe. Hello. I mean, you're leveraging the fact that you've already got their email information and you're sending them to give you social proof, which there's no loss to that because it's the easiest thing for them to do. You're adding value to their life and you already have their contact information. So people forget there's a reverse funnel here too, that you can leverage the, the network you have to build the social proof you need. That's fantastic, Amy. Thank you so much for that. Um, and that's just for me, never mind our listeners. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, good. We at least helped one person. Today. Yes. Um, okay, so there's, there's two things that have popped up uh, while you were speaking there that I've thought about. Um, and I have two questions. One is you spoke about you've got the promotion side of it and, and driving traffic. What does your promotion strategy look like for your videos? It's uh, pretty, pretty cut and dry. So first and foremost, I have to do keyword research and um, I leverage a tool called TubeBuddy for that. TubeBuddy is essentially a Google Chrome extension. And what it's going to do is you have to type into it like what you think you want your video to be about. And it'll tell you, you know, there's high demand for this or there's low demand for this, or maybe there's too high of competition. You don't really have a chance. So I try to check with the search sort of layout first. The minimum I want is front page of YouTube search for a result, because the ultimate result of that could be that if there's enough momentum, I'll get to the front page of Google search. So of course, keyword research has to play a role. Um, that's going to set me up for success no matter what, because that's going to help me come up with the best headline that people are going to love. And so with that comes, you know, the upload process and then it's time to start promoting. So because I need that momentum, I really try to energize the audience around a new video as soon as possible. So to, to Twitter, I'll let them know, Hey guys, a video is about to come. Mm. Are you ready? Are you ready for it? Here we go. And then when that link lands in their feed, it's not just a link. They saw the sort of, Oh, the buildup is coming. They're Here comes a video. It. Absolutely. So then when that link drops, they're in. The link automatically comes out from YouTube, but I also post it again because I like to post the YouTube link with a photo upload so I could take up a lot of room on newsfeed and that'll be the thumbnail that I uploaded. I'll use the thumbnail and you can check my Twitter to kind of see what I'm talking about here. It's schmatastic. You guys can like link to it or something, but you can get a feel for like what the actual post looks like. That's what I do on Twitter. On Instagram, I don't like to take the thumbnail and upload it to Instagram. I think far too many people do that. A thumbnail is meant to be a YouTube thumbnail. It's not meant to be an Instagram photo, in my opinion. So I will use Instagram stories to like show people behind the scenes that I'm pushing a video live. So they actually see me press the publish button on Instagram stories. So then Instagram stories will find the link to that in my bio. And then it's a very quick connection. Yeah. Um, on Facebook, same thing as Twitter. I like to post the link with the thumbnail photo, which if you know anything about Facebook, you're probably thinking, why would you do that? Because everybody knows Facebook hates YouTube links. They mm. want you to upload the video natively, but I don't care what Facebook wants because I have good rapport with my Facebook page. I keep it interesting. I post different kinds of content so that when I post the link to my YouTube video, it will do fairly organically well. And there's a photo attached to it. So it's still native upload. It's just not video. It's a photo. It's the thumbnail. So I, I have to do that. I could upload natively to Facebook, but then I don't get all the momentum humanly possible to the YouTube link 
which is going to actually help me achieve those results in search. So it's all, all firepower has to go to that YouTube link in the first 24 to 48 hours of a video. After that, YouTube kind of has a feel for how it's going to do. It has the potential to take off later, but the odds of a video doing extremely well that didn't do extremely well in the first couple of days are not as good. It doesn't mean it can't help you, but you know, you really, really want to go hard on it in the first couple of days. And then of course the email list, if it's a video that I think is going to have a very hard time getting to the top of search and it is extremely relevant to my audience, I will send out an email about it, but I upload videos too often to email my list about it every time. So that's sort of a, yeah, I was just about to ask that as and you, you, given the amount of content you create, you hardly, you hardly email them every time. And the, the second question I had was about uploading to Facebook. So you've covered that off for me nicely. Thank you very yeah, much. <laughs> you're welcome. You're welcome. I, and I'll keep, keep this in mind too. I don't email my list every time, but that's because I upload three days a week. I really hope that people with an email list do email them every time, especially if it's like a once a week schedule or even twice a week. Don't be afraid to email. I just don't necessarily have to do that because I have other emails going sales schedule I have to keep up with there too. And I'm also fortunate enough to have YouTube subscribers. So those YouTube subscribers are also going to get a notification when I upload. And so that's some momentum that I get to take advantage of too. So once you sort of have all these different options at your disposal, that's where, that's where things start to get interesting and you can pick and choose sort of your promotion strategy. I just wanted to make sure I popped that in there. The other thing is let's talk about Facebook upload for half a second. You do not have to upload the whole thing. You could upload 10 seconds of it or 20 seconds or 30 seconds of it and shorter video on Facebook, especially when people are scrolling right past it, that's going to do really well. And then put the YouTube link in the caption and say, if you want to watch the whole thing, go here, leverage the fact that YouTube or excuse me, Facebook desperately wants video uploaded, but maybe you don't give them the whole thing right away. I love that idea. Um, Again, I've never actually thought about that. And Paul, I know it's something we've spoke about when it comes to content upgrades about you, about about how splitting even your articles in half and offering one half on your blog and the second half as part of your upgrade uh, can can have a great effect for your uh, the amount of captures that you can get on your list. Um, But I'd never thought about doing that with a video. Mm. I mean, if you don't want to do that, you could just go live and then you'd have the ultimate firepower. Like go live and say, Hey, I just uploaded a YouTube video and put it in the caption of the live stream. Take a few, take a few questions. I mean, you can leverage the fact that Facebook wants video by, but not having to post the actual product there. And that is like where I think people get lazy in expanding their mind on what they can do. I'm not saying you're lazy. I just mean in general, we want to just repurpose to a lot of people means copy paste. And that's the worst thing you could do. Mm. I know for a fact that Many of my videos, at least in those three years where I stood in front of a bookshelf, there wasn't a whole lot of change up with the camera. It was just a talking head in front of a bookshelf talking to this camera. That video was well-equipped for YouTube. But if I upload that stuff to Facebook, it's going to tank because if you're not doing some crazy movement stuff while this video is auto-playing on the newsfeed, you're not going to pull something in. So that's why you have to remember, you can't copy paste. Repurpose does not mean copy paste. It's how do you repurpose this one thing you did in all the different ways that make sense at all these different cocktail parties that are social media? Because they're all different parties. They have different dress codes. They have different people and they have different ways of receiving information. And you have to customize your one thing with all of those places if you want it to be effective. This is Content Academy. You mentioned there, and I think it's, it's something a lot of people struggle with, and that is a, a sales schedule or a sales plan as such. For people starting out, maybe looking to kind of create their first product or service online that they're looking to monetize, um, have you any tips from that? Because obviously you've, you're very successful, you've got a lot of stuff going on, uh, but if there was one thing people could start with, uh, what would you advise that to be? I think the and I'm, I'm continuing to watch people make this mistake over and over. Um, even close friends who just don't want to listen (laughs) that, that we just sell things because we think people want it. Just like we wrote a blog post we think people want, but we didn't actually ask and it didn't actually do well. We just keep deciding what the customer wants and that's never going to be how we sell something. So my thing is if you haven't figured out, figured out how to monetize yet, don't, spend your time and resources creating something that you think is going to be your way to monetization 
and not actually find out if that's the case. If you're going to create a course, pre-sell it. You know, if you're going to sell sponsorship, pre-sell that. I mean, or, or place sponsors where you hope to sell sponsorships. You can give people an idea of what they're even buying. A lot of people don't think about how can we just show someone for what they will get and then make the product happen for them. Instead, they spend 30 hours or something on a course and it doesn't sell. And then they, yeah. they're trying to force the square peg into the circle hole. And it's like, that's, it's not going to work in the end. If it didn't sell at the beginning, it's not going anywhere. Nobody wants this. And you should have waited to create it until you made the perfect thing that people do want. So I, this isn't a scam. It's simply, how do you make the best product for your customer? Don't make it until you know you actually have something that they want and they're willing to pay for. And most people will tell you they'll pay for something, but that's not proof. They, yeah. they prove they have to prove it with their wallet. So how can you make that happen? So many agencies I know were not agencies until they got their first client. I got my first client, $100,000 gig. We're an agency now because now we can actually start versus what everybody else thinks is starting a business or starting a revenue strategy by creating the thing, whether somebody wants it or not, and then going and trying to sell it. And that's just tough. I mean, why do you want to go that route? It's such a waste of time. And we only have so much of that. Yeah, no, that's like, that's a huge barrier people have is, uh, and we see, and it's maybe because, you know, Steve Jobs was cool and that was, you know, people couldn't predict they wanted an iPad and he created it and all, all that right. stuff was great. Um, online courses, a lot, a lot of that stuff is absolutely exploding. So if you're going to pre-sell it, would you, so, you know, for someone who's looking and starting to do that, simply make a, a lead pages page and, and have a, an email opt-in or would it be something a little bit more, uh, specific that you might actually do or what, what are steps that people could take to actually understand, you know, if they can pre-sell this or not? You have to be super clear on what the value proposition is because the, the hardest part, I think, yes, lead pages, like that's the quick answer, right? But you can create a lead page and it'll be a great page because lead pages is an incredible tool that will help set you up for success in terms of what, what a sales page should look like. But yep. if you don't have the right information on there, that's actually going to sell the thing for you, then you're in trouble. Most people want to put down the features and not the benefits. They want to say, Oh, there's a hundred hours of video. Who cares? Is it going to change my life? Is it going to change my business? Is it going to make me a better person? Is it going to guarantee something for me? That's what I want to know. Then I'll be like, Whoa. And there's all this content around it. And it, they don't care about the features. They want to know what you're doing to make them better. Yeah. I, I that's, really, really like that's that. That's literally it. That is the secret. Nobody focuses on that. They're counting all their chickens. Like, Oh, here's, here's how many followers I have. And here's how much social proof I have. So you should just buy whatever I create because I have a hundred hours of content. Nobody cares. Nobody yeah. cares. They're Absolutely. happy to subscribe to all your free stuff. And so they're not going to buy the thing unless you prove it's something that's actually worth buying. So yeah, I, I just, I just think you have to set the page up. And if you don't want to ask for money first, I think you're still going to have a harder time. But the key here is, you know, you're, you're not just asking for the money to jumpstart it. You're asking people to get in on it early. And if they want to get in on it early and you gave them a discount for that, then you know that you actually have something that's got some legs because people thought it was good enough to get in early before it's even available. Yeah, that, that's really that's why brilliant. the iPad sells because there's that sense of of desire, that urgency there that Apple put in there. I mean, like that's that's really what it comes down to. You have to prove it's worth something. Yeah, and that that value piece as well is crucial because I suppose if somebody sees a hundred hours of content or a thousand hours of content, actually that me a huge amount of time so maybe i'm not going to invest in that so i suppose our view is probably similar is focus on on the transformation that you're going to offer somebody that that's more what it is or, or the benefit to them so agree with that and then uh, i look at pat flynn in his will of fly book is, is a great piece where he says you know pre-sell it you don't have to get lots of people but if you get say 60 people onto a sales page and six you know six people are prepared to part with cash before you've actually made it, before you've launched a product, 
that's how you, you've got a ways to, to validate the ideas. So um, I suppose, yeah, good to hear that you're, I suppose, on that side of thinking as well, focus on, on the benefit and the change that you can bring somebody. So uh, nice stuff there. Um, I have just noticed, Amy, we are way running over time. We are. I was, I was just about to jump questions. in. There's yeah. your question at the end. What, what are we, we going to do? We're, we're very, very tight for time. So I've just picked out two or three questions here, Amy, if you don't mind. We'll fly through them oh. very quickly that our listeners have sent in and when we will let you on with your day. So the first one is around YouTube setup. And we've kind of covered this already, but... One of the questions was, um, is there anything you must absolutely do when you're setting up your YouTube channel that you feel most people miss? Who asked yes. that question? Um, that was from Joan. I don't have Joan's surname. Apologies, Joan. So to Joan, I mean, yes, what people forget is that you can have a YouTube channel that looks impressive and it not be all of your content. So because of the creation of playlists, if you I actually have a, a free course on this, it's called how to set up a professional YouTube channel. And it goes over the fact that go on YouTube and watch a bunch of videos that you like, or you would refer to your potential customers and put them on a playlist and then design your YouTube channel with playlists of great videos. Because even if you're just getting started and you only have one upload or two uploads, you have a lot going on on that channel so that when someone sees that video, they like you and they go back to YouTube channel and think about whether they're going to subscribe. It's not a ghost town, which makes them not want to subscribe. So I think that's where people miss the mark big time. Excellent stuff. Thank you for that. Uh, the other question I have here is from Kim Fitz. Kim asked us in terms of lighting, um, is there anything you would recommend uh, a lighting rig? Not too expensive, she says, but uh, willing to spend a little bit of cash. I spent less than a hundred dollars. I don't remember what it was, but it's on my page, uh, savvy, sexy, social.com slash shop. Um, I have a ring light and it's basically every woman's saving grace for making sure she has the best lighting, but men too, but we <laughs> like it because you know, it blurs the wrinkles a little bit. So excellent. So the last question I had there was about editing and we've kind of gone through that already. So we'll, sure. we'll leave that one over. I have one final question for you, Amy. And it's a question I ask absolutely every guest. And it is simply this. Can you give us one thing that you have learned on your journey that you wish you knew when you were starting? Hmm. I think I, I just wish I knew that perfection isn't worth waiting for. That's, I think that's what everybody wishes they knew and they realize it later. And in some way, I've always struggled with that. Fantastic. There you go, folks. Not that it's not attainable, um, but don't don't hang around waiting for it to just happen. Get out there, as we've said already, and do. Amy, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. We really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to speak to us. And for our audience, where can they reach out and get a hold of you and uh, say thank you very much for all the uh, valuable knowledge you've dropped today? Well, thank you, Phil and Paul, both of you for having me. I really appreciate it. And I was happy to run over on time. I thought it was a great conversation. Hopefully we helped some people today. Um, very easy to just type in your browser, vloglikeaboss.com is where you can grab the book. And if you would like to tune into the videos, you can type amy.video and that will redirect you to my YouTube channel. Excellent stuff. We'll make sure to have links to all of that in today's show notes. And I said, Amy, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you. This is Content Academy. Well, there you have it, Paul. Are you, uh, are you ready to vlog like a boss? I, I really enjoyed that show, yeah. Um, I'm just thinking of Chewbacca moments still laughing away to myself. <laughs> that was such a brilliant video. Uh, Amy was on point with a lot of stuff. I know we were primed on focusing on vlogging, but all of the other information, I, I dare say, was more valuable that was shared. Yeah, and I mean, listen... I Probably the main message that I took away from today's show when it came to vlogging was just get off your arse and do it. You, yeah. have, you have your phone. Don't worry about the kit. Like You're either going to do it or you aren't. If, and Amy's right. You can spend all the money you want on the kit, but if you can't do it now with what you have, what makes you think you're going to keep it up once you buy this expensive camera? Um, yeah, so. absolutely. It's uh, Again, it comes back to having a content strategy, editorial calendar, all, all of this stuff that we speak about, but it is just in getting started and then consistently showing up. So 
that is it that you don't just record one video and forget about it that you continue and you have a plan so yeah, yeah really really like that Do you know what um, i really enjoyed paul and it's probably one of the more subtle messages that you you may or may not have got um when you're when you're listening to the show folks was Amy said followers aren't the be-all and end-all. And then we went on to speak about the email list on more than one occasion. And I really love that. Amy's been around long enough to know that the vanity metrics behind your followers and subscribers is really nice and it looks looks good. But it's all about the email list and being able to push your stuff out there and build a bit of hype. And obviously, if you have a product or a service to sell, that's where you're going to do it, not through the amount of subscribers on your YouTube channel or followers on your social profile. And it came up a couple of times in terms of referencing the email list. And I really, really like the fact that, you know, it's it's cons- it's consistent across a number of guests now at this stage that we've spoke to over the last couple of weeks, even, even since the turn of the year. And it's come up time and time again that, you know, the vanity metrics are just vanity metrics. These are the real numbers that actually count if you are planning on having a, a profitable blog or business. Yeah, and I think what's what's really key to focus on there is YouTube is a search engine. That That is really what YouTube is. Uh, and social media, as you say, it is a way to spread a message. It's a vanity matrix. But look, unless you're Demi Lovato and you've got 55 million Instagram followers, you know, it's it's not really to be all the end all having that that you know large uh, Instagram following. The the piece which I thought was was quite interesting and something we've benefited from before, and I haven't really realised too much, um, was our email list. We used to send maybe you know an email for 13,000 people on a weekly basis and get a click through rate of 30, 40 percent, and that got us a lot of ranking in Google and and it really really helped with the football site. But thinking about it logically, YouTube is another absolutely colossal search engine. It's obviously run by Google. So what was very interesting that the disconnect that I hadn't uh, thought of was when you upload your video onto YouTube, the first 24 to 48 hours is when YouTube decides, is this video any good? Will people like it? Will they not? So bring your own firepower to it. Get your be across those social platforms but more importantly clicking from an email uh, I suppose from your email list getting click-throughs to your video to get it up there so it will start ranking I thought that was quite clever because you know too often people will upload videos to YouTube they might get 16 views think oh this is crap I'm not getting any traction here I'm not going to waste my time when then they don't show up again so showing up regular having building an email list having I suppose, you know, feedback loops that are going to in turn grow um, your visibility, absolutely key. And I suppose then it's a, it's a case of priority, you know, your home. So your, your website is probably priority number two, how you're ranking in Google and YouTube, because that, that, I suppose that'll be the next thing. And then, as Amy mentioned, after that, the rented space, the nice vanity numbers that you're talking about across the social media platforms. Um, in order of importance, that's the way to go. And, you know, always having a focus of where you want people to, to arrive and bring in your firepower. Mm. Great tip. And someone I hadn't really considered when, when thinking about YouTube. So, yeah, I, I definitely learned from this episode anyway. Yeah, I mean, even as Amy spoke about, you know, video obviously performs well. And uh, when she spoke about Facebook and that, you know, people click your Facebook video, it's because you've built relationships there. That's where, you, you know, your, your friends, your family, people you know, you've been on there for years, you've been interacting. They watch your stuff because they have an interest in you because you interact on that platform with them. So you can't expect the same results from YouTube once you put up one video because you haven't spent the time there. You haven't been interacting on the platform. You know, you haven't been hanging out in the comment section, commenting on other videos. Um, so, it, you know, I love the fact that Amy recognizes that and, you know, explaining that to people coming from someone as successful as amy hopefully it will hit home with you guys that you know she's not saying this stuff for fun she's been there she's done that she's bought the t-shirt she knows what she's talking about so please listen to her that you can't just expect to put up one video and to get to you know pray it goes viral i think is what she said um but i also really loved the um the concept of putting together playlists on your youtube channel so if you are just starting out you may only have one two or three videos and but you would have other stuff there for people to watch within your channel. Um, and, you know, if you remember back to the interview we did with Sandra, Sandra Gwines, Paul, um, 23, I want to say, could maybe okay. it's not episode 23, I can't remember the number. And she was saying the same thing, you know, are, are you a DJ or are you a composer? 
you know, sometimes it's okay to be the DJ and play other people's songs. Sometimes you play your own, sometimes you play other people's, and it kind of goes back to that again. Uh, I really like that. I think that's something that may help a few people get off the mark because, you know, they worry that, okay, if I start, I'll only have one video and people will come, they won't see it, what am I going to do? That might solve one of those issues to stop you making excuses. Yeah, and I really like the, the other thing that was mentioned is, I suppose to summarize, don't force the course pre-sell it make sure it's a good value proposition focus on transformation with your online products as opposed to i've recorded ten thousand hours people have to want this <laughs> so uh yeah. it's again something which we you know we've seen a lot of people struggle with um i suppose with the football side we, we went down the membership route that worked very very well um but and look there is there's pitfalls there's traps and it really comes down to um, people wanted extra information in that environment so we, we gave it to them and they purchased and became members so what do what do people want now the that's a rabbit hole we probably don't need to go down right now because this show is massively overran and we had to make a conscious effort to, to get off the line with amy i would encourage you to, to check out her book it's doing really really well and it's getting rave reviews and yeah, so we've got links in the show notes, bloglikeaboss.com. And yeah, it was just very, very enjoyable. Yeah, a, another action-packed show, Paul. And again, thanks so much to Amy. Um, so please do uh, head over to the show notes page. You'll get a link to all of Amy's stuff, including a book, and even drop her a tweet to say thank you very much for uh, all the valuable information today. And head over to content.academy forward slash episode 65. That's episode 65 for all of today's show notes. But until next time, folks, have a good one. You have been listening to the Content Academy podcast. If you would like to comment on any of today's show or subscribe to the series, find us at content.academy forward slash podcast.